Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. It is Monday, December 18th, and this has been here with you today, joined by Sam. And we're going to talk some Clemson basketball. We know that Clemson football is still front and center um, uh, in the minds of Tiger Nation. Of course, uh, looking down next up at the playoff matchup with Alabama and all the excitement that's going along with that, with the Clemson Tigers being in the college football playoff for the third year in a row. But we would be remiss not to get in on the basketball action as this Clemson Tiger basketball team is sitting here standing at 9-1 and on the season. Great non-conference play so far. I'm not so sure if a lot of us saw this coming this year, but they certainly deserve our attention. Clemson up to 28 in the AP poll this week, coming off a big win over Florida down in Miami. In the Orange Bowl, I guess it was Orange Bowl tournament, Sam. Um, so yeah, let's get into it. I think what every Clemson fan is asking themselves right now, are we at a point where we should be excited about this team? We've been let down many times before by Brad Brownell teams, um, whether it's high expectations going into the season only to stumble in non-conference play, pick it up in ACC play, but that not be enough to get into the tournament, or where we've gotten off to hard starts in non-conference play. Last year is an example of that, yeah. only to go into the ACC play and stumble. So um, a lot of boy who cried wolf uh, from Bad Brown now, a lot of fool's gold, it seems like. Sam, do you think, let, let's start off, looking at this team, do you think this is another one of those years, or should we be excited? Is this something that's sustainable uh, for this season? I think a lot of what we're doing is sustainable, and I'm excited, but I'm easily excited when it comes to Clemson basketball. Any sort of positive sign, I'm going to take it and run with it. Uh, we are off to our best start since 2008. We're 9-1 as a team. We've got a ranked uh, win over Florida this weekend. They were number 22, although they are coming off four losses out of five. Yeah, they've with struggled that loss, recently. So yeah. They're sort of already already hit their peak and they're dropping off a little bit the last couple of weeks. Uh, but I, I definitely think there's a reason to be excited about this team. Yeah, and I guess part of that reason is um, we've got a lot of talented players on this basketball team and a handful of guys who've, who've played together for a couple of years now. You're talking about Shelton Mitchell, Marquise Reed, um, Elijah Thomas who's come on big, and then the veterans and Gabe DeVoe and Dante Grantham, guys that we're, we didn't think ever would amount to anything, are all of a sudden playing well this year. So I, I think it's certainly um, a point where Clemson fans should be excited about this basketball team. They've had some good wins. You mentioned the Florida win. You also have the win over Ohio State in the Big Ten Challenge, yep. um, among a handful of others. So the only loss coming to Temple, which is a good basketball team um, in the Charleston Classic. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a lot of reason for Clemson fans to be excited, as excited as we can be for Clemson basketball. Definitely. I mean, looking at it right now, we put ourselves, this team has put themselves in a good position. You know, we got two non-conference games left against South Carolina, which that's going to be a big game, especially if the Tigers can pull that one off at home, and then Louisiana Lafayette to wrap up the schedule. Even if you lose to South Carolina and you enter conference play at 10-2, and you've set yourself up pretty well, even in a tough ACC 
for an NCAA tournament run, you have to think that the ACC is going to get eight, nine teams in. Absolutely. We've done as well as can be expected so far in the preseason. You probably would have guessed that you lose to Florida and maybe beat a Temple team or lose to Ohio State and beat a Temple team instead. But having one one loss at this point in the season is a huge accomplishment for this team. Uh, to your point earlier, I think that the continuity of the roster is something that we're really seeing come to fruition and having it impact the the play of everybody on the team. Dante Grantham and Gabe DeVoe have been fantastic leaders for the team. Uh, they both throughout the season have stepped up at different intervals to really carry the team and sort of be that emotional leader, as well as hitting some big shots at key moments. And even uh, a guy like David Scara, who even though he sat out the first nine games this year, made his de- season debut against Florida, um, he was with the team last year yeah. and practiced with them. Yeah, he was guarding... Um, all of our best players in practice for a year last year. And he was doing it in the early part of this season, doing the same thing in practice. So he's definitely seems like he's got a, a feel for the team already. And Brad Brownell seems to trust him already. He was in, in key moments in the Florida game, his first action of the season. Yeah. So, I mean, great to see him come on um, just because I'll touch on this a little bit later, talking about the depth of this uh, on this basketball team, whether or not there's actually any there, uh, but first off, let's take a step back and look at their body of work so far. What has this team done consistently well so far this year? The first thing that pops out is definitely shooting. We've shot extremely well, and I think that's one thing that people are probably going to point to as uh, something that could tro- drop off throughout the season. We haven't faced the toughest defenses yet so far this year, uh, and somebody like Dante Grantham has shot the lights out so far. He's shooting over 70% for the season through our first 10 and games. I, and I don't think any Clemson fan feels confident that he's going to be, no. I mean, you should, he, he can't be expected to keep that up, but even shooting at a 50% clip, I, I don't think any Clemson fan would feel comfortable expecting that of him. No, I think he'll definitely sort of have some reversion to the mean as we, as we go on throughout the season, especially as we play teams like a Florida state or a Virginia that have incredibly strong defenses. And I think it's still a positive. We can we can count on him to be an offensive scorer for us and, and play well, but I don't think we can quite expect this level of shooting that we've seen so far this season. Right, and I think that's one of the things that is unsustainable, and rightfully so. Uh, last year when the Clemson team got off to a good start in non-conference play, we looked at the shooting as being one of those things. That those percentages just weren't going to keep up, especially when you get into such elite competition in the ACC. Um, so we understand that we take that as a given and we take that as something to be expected, but what, what are some of the things that you're seeing from them that, that is sustainable? I think the biggest thing that's sustainable and has been a big difference from last year is our defensive rebounding. Um, we gave up 32% of the shots that came off the glass last year were offensive rebounds for the other team this year. That number's down to 23% and it'll probably come back a little bit as we play some bigger, longer teams. But that 23% is 13th in the country right now. And I think that's something that we can continue to do if we keep crashing crashing the glass like we have been. And you have to be really excited about the play that you're getting out of Elijah Thomas on the defensive end um, and the effort that he's giving. You know, that was one of the questions surrounding this kid when he came in. He was a five-star. Um, he was a you know, highly touted player when he went to Texas yep. A&M. Uh, but coming into Clemson, people question his work ethic a little bit, red flagging that as a possible issue. Um, he's done a couple things this year, been more dominant and effective inside, but he yep. also hasn't gotten frustrated at the little things that had gone wrong, and he's kept his head in the game. His fouls, um, his foul total per game is is way down, way down Florida, from, from Florida last game year. being the exception because yeah. he was in major foul trouble the entire Florida game. Uh, in fact, he scored his first bucket with, I think, six minutes left in the game and ended up 
scoring the decisive bucket towards the end of the game, but he played far fewer minutes than we would have liked. In that right, game. but th- that goes to, to what I'm saying, that he's keeping his head in his game even through exactly. that um, that adversity, yep. which is uh, you're seeing a, a maturation there in a young kid that is very positive um, to see. So I think that's something that Clemson fans have to be excited about. You know, you're used to the past few years with – with uh, Larry Noko and uh, City Jute, guys that had three, four fouls going in halftime and played 20 minutes a game. So yeah. seeing Elijah Thomas approve on that and then uh, be a force uh, on the offensive end and also on the defensive end, that's exciting. Absolutely. I think we've been starting games uh, by trying to feed the ball into Eli and get him in a groove, and I think that's a really good decision by Brownell to sort of boost up his confidence because if he gets rolling, he's going to dominate the rest of the game. The Florida game was interesting because they really were hounding him inside and he couldn't get anything to fall early on. And I think he did sort of revert back to what he was doing last season and sort of lost his head and he got in foul trouble really quickly. And then he was out of rhythm for most of the game. But to your point, he came back in the fourth well, fourth quarter of the game in the last 10 minutes. and Second half. Yes. Yeah. But the fourth quarter of playing time. Sure, sure. Um, and Women's came back. basketball does exactly. have that in four quarters now. Um, he came back in, in those last couple minutes and really contributed effectively. He played good, solid defense while in major foul trouble and finished off the game for us in, on the offensive end. And how beneficial is that just to have a learning moment in a game like that against quality competition and come out with the win? Yeah, I think it's huge. We haven't had a ton of extremely good teams that we played. Florida, I think, will rebound from their little slide that they've had the last couple of weeks and be in competition for the SEC. Yeah, I mean, they started the the year as a top-five team, Absolutely. right? Which means there's talent on that roster. Yeah, they're extremely talented, and we were sort of lucky that they were missing uh, two of their big guys this game, so they were a lot smaller than they're going to be towards the end of the year. Both those big guys are supposed to come back uh, towards the middle of January, hopefully, from injury. So we got to see a smaller version of this team, and that's really where they've struggled, uh, is inside defensively. So... We took advantage of that, and we tried to feed Eli early to to really hammer that home. They did really well against Eli and sort of got him off his game, but we capitalized late in the game, driving to the hoop. The guards have been incredible the last couple of weeks, driving to the basket. It's really what's kept us in a lot of games because they're drawing a bunch of fouls, making their free throws, and kicking the ball out to, uh, to shooters who are hitting shots. Yeah, so speaking of those guards, um, uh, Shelton Mitchell and Marquise Reed, uh, concerns coming into this year with Shelton Mitchell's knee. Yeah. He's always kind of had a knee injury that, that's bugged him. He doesn't seem to have that same burst as he had last year, but he's also not having uh, any side effects. He's not feeling any pain. That was a concern coming into the season. How, how big is it for just to have him at what you could comfortably call 90%, even health-wise, close to 100%, just not having the agility maybe as before, but he's a smart basketball player and he's a talented guy. He's been so under control this year. Like you said, he hasn't quite had quite the same burst, but he has been a really good leader on the offense, setting up our offense, getting guys the right shots, scoring. His ability to drive and, and finish around the rim has been really fun to watch this year. It's not something that we saw a lot of last year. He was more run and gun and sort of out of control. This year, he's very controlled when he's driving, and he's either going to kick it to the shooter that's open, and making he's making a lot of good plays. Yeah, and it really is a sight for sore eyes for Clemson fans to have guys that are go-to scorers, especially in final minutes of the game. How many years would we have those droughts, five-minute droughts at the end of the games, go in there with a lead, not to score for the last five minutes and ultimately give up the game, to have somebody 
that you can go to, whether it be a Shelton Mitchell, a Marquise Reed, a Dante Grantham, a Gabe DeVoe. I mean, that, that that's yeah. huge. It's just not something we're used to. And you can see what a difference that makes in terms of winning basketball games. For sure. The fact that you just named five people off the top of your head that we could go to in, in the late couple minutes of a game shows how different it was from last year because it was Jerron Blossom game. Right. And that was the end of the conversation. Right. And then uh, KJ McDaniel the year yeah, before that. Exactly. Um, so kind of sticking with these key contributors, let's talk about these seniors, Dante Grantham, Gabe DeVoe. Uh, both guys, Dante Grantham comes in uh, highly rated. Yep. Um, and he just doesn't blossom like we want him to and expected him to over his first few years. You start hearing – or seeing shades of Milton Jennings, you start hearing that comparison, and that's a comparison that you never want to hear because um, Milton Jennings, you know, whereas he always gave the effort, he did not play up to the ability that was in, ingrained in our minds given that uh, McDonald's All-American status. Dante Grantham comes in, although not a, f- a five-star, still you expect a lot out of him, but you're not seeing a lot of that development. Coming into this year, my expectations for low were low for him, but yeah. he seems to have taken off. He's got a bigger build, which I've been wanting him to put on weight the, the last couple of years, and he just seems more confident in his game. Is that something – do you think that we get into ACC play and he takes a hit to that confidence, or do you really see something in him this year where he's turned the corner, he can be uh, relied on as a leader of this team and a guy that can be clutch? I don't know if it'll be quite to the level we've seen so far this season, but I definitely think he's someone we'll be able to rely on later in games – in tough situations in game time. Um, he, I think going into the draft and seeing how unwanted he was at the NBA level last year, uh, after the season sort of woke him up and he said, if this is something I want to do with my life, I've got to get bigger. He put on a bunch of weight in the off season. He looks way stronger. He looks uh, a lot more poised in games. He's not uh, throwing the ball away. He's not turning it over as much. He's taking much better shots than he has in the past, which has led to his higher shooting percentage. And he's getting inside more. And he's getting inside, and he's able to bang a little bit on the boards and, and down low on offense, and he looks like he's made a lot of improvements in the offseason. Well, again, that's that's something that we've been hoping for, and it's actually, it's I mean, I'm glad to see that actually start to come uh, to form because if he can play like that or even 85 90% of what he's done in non-conference schedule and keep it up on a consistent basis, then that's going to go a long way to, to – uh, determining how successful this Clemson team is. And again, he doesn't have to be the guy. Like this is, like you mentioned, this is not a Blossom game or KJ McDaniel scenario. We have a more well-rounded team, at least out of our starters this year, so where you don't have to rely on one guy every game. So if he's having a bad night or Eli's having a bad night, there's other guys to pick you up. Uh, so let's talk about another another senior, Gabe DeVoe. Yep. Gabe's a guy that that came in, and we thought that you know he was going to be a shooter, right? Yep. When he came in as a freshman, yep. that was what he was billed at. Um, his freshman, sophomore year, kind of a non-factor. You could tell he was going to be a liability on the defense. He comes in as a starter last year, and at that point, you're like, wow, we really don't have anybody on this basketball team because DeVoe should not be a starter yep. um, on an ACC team yeah, exactly. at an ACC level. Yep. This year, though, he's earning those starts. He, this he's year. earning those starts. His offense has been more consistent. Yep. He's putting up some big numbers, but talk to me about his defense. Is that an area that's improved at all? Absolutely. I think the last couple of years watching games, our perimeter defense is something that cost us dearly because our guards could not stop anyone from driving past them. And we wouldn't fight through picks. Exactly. Uh, getting around screens up top, just we had people driving into the lane at our centers. So that was why Landry Noko 
and company were getting in such foul trouble is because they had to stop everything. Uh, Gabe especially, I think, has done a really good job of containing everyone he's guarding so far this year. Grantham still has some holes with that when he's out on the perimeter, but as a bigger guy, that's sort of to be expected. Uh, Marquise Reed is a little bit more aggressive as a defender, uh, but I think they've all made strides and improved their control on defense and, and knowing what where to be and how to make the defender or make the offensive player go the direction that they want instead of l- letting them set the tone. So you're really seeing a much improved defense overall. I mean, last year, the, the you started to see the signs of the offense coming alive, especially non-conference play, higher shooting percentages, and it, Clemson actually scoring into the 80s and 90s, which yeah. you never thought would yeah. happen with the Brad Brownell team. But then you had the defense fall off. So now what you're starting to see is uh, that start to kind of level out, and those two things start to meet each other in a, in a nice, happy spot to where it's, again, it's leading to, to not just – fluke wins uh, but wins that you can be confident in moving forward that actually gives you a glimmer of hope going into ACC play to where we shouldn't feel as terrified about having a uh, a losing skid and something that really just where we shoot ourselves in the foot and takes all confidence away from this team and essentially ends the season I mean last year was the first time I really felt like Brad Benal had lost one of his teams that guys weren't fighting at the end because there were opportunities for this team near the end of the last season to still make it into the NCAA tournament, but they just couldn't turn the corner. Hopefully this is that year. One of my concerns is that it doesn't seem that we have a lot of depth on this basketball team. In years past, you'd see Brownell get a lot of guys coming off the bench mm-hmm. early in the season in the non-conference schedule. You're not seeing that as much this year. You're seeing a few freshmen. You're seeing uh, Mark Donnell mm-hmm. get in there, transfer from Michigan, and then now Scara back mm-hmm. in the mix now that he's back from his uh, suspension. What do we see from this depth? Uh, whether from any any veteran depth, doesn't seem to be a lot there aside from the transfers, and also the the freshmen don't seem to be getting a lot of significant playing time or really having any significant contributions. Yeah, so our starting five, Eli, Marquise, Shelton, Gabe, and Dante are playing a lot of minutes, uh, but our rotation after that is sort of shorter than it has been in, in recent seasons. Like you said, um, guys that are coming in off the bench every game and definitely seeing playing time every game are Mark Donnell and Scarra will be one of those guys sure. as well. Um, but you have, you've also seen a little bit of Clyde trap and a little bit of Amir Sims, two of our freshman players. And I think that as we go throughout the season, those guys are going to learn a lot and become valuable uh, pieces that, Coach Brownell can put into the game when we need somebody to soak up minutes. So, um, so perhaps it's a case this year where because we have a much more solid and consistent starting five and then you know going too deep on the bench that there's no need to get a lot of other guys in there to see what they can do because you're not trying to plug holes or find a better solution. Like we do have a solid starting five. I mean, you hope that's the case. Uh, worst case scenario is obviously we just don't have good depth and we may sustain an injury at some point in the season that can completely derail us. Do you see a certain position to where if we sustain an injury that this season goes in the tanks? I think we've got a pretty good balance. Um, our backup big guys are maybe a little bit thin, but guys like Scara and Donnell can fill in at the five if needed. So the versatility of the team is is helpful in keeping that depth to a place where we're sort of more comfortable with it. Because uh, we're not super deep. We don't go three deep at every position, but... If a guard goes out, Clyde Trapp and Anthony Oliver can soak up some of those minutes. If a big guy goes out, Amir Sims and Donnell and um, Scara can sort of combine to cover some of those minutes. So obviously 
an injury to any of our starting five is going to be detrimental to the team because they're all contributing a ton. They're, they're using up a lot of our possessions and, and shooting well. So there will be a drop off if we lose somebody, but I don't think it'll be too extreme. Yeah. So it's really like to equate it to football. It's a team that's hanging around that, that 10 position to where they're not like Clemson or Alabama where a guy goes down and you have almost infinite depth depth to step up and make something happen. Like you're hanging on that, that 10 spot or at that ranking, um, hoping that one of your guys doesn't go down and maybe hoping that some guys develop throughout the year. But I find it hard to believe that we're going to develop some of these freshmen as we get into ACC play because it's it's just a different animal. And that, that is a hard position to put freshmen in. Yeah. Player development is something that I think Brunel in the past has not been fantastic at, at least in his tenure at Clemson. We've seen guys like Milton Jenning and um, others sort of struggle to get better throughout their years uh, within the program. But the transfers that Brunel's brought in seem to be catching on to his style of play and making improvements. The Shelton Mitchells, uh, the Marquise Reeds, and um, and Mark Donnell are all transfers. Eli Thomas as well are all transfers that are contributing heavily now. So I hope that the young guys will sort of follow in their footsteps and develop a little bit better than what we've seen in the past. Well, and to Brunell's credit, they've really uh, seemed to buy it into a system. Whereas, you know, on the defensive end, none of these guys were really polished last year. They all came in as more offensive-minded guys. He's gotten them to turn the corner and focus more and take defense seriously this year, which is a, a positive and a credit to Brownell and his coaching style. Listen, Brownell's been at, at Clemson for eight years now. I mean, he's in his eighth season. Think about that. How many Clemson basketball coaches make it that far, especially with such limited success as Brownell has? So clearly Clemson is trying something different on the basketball side. They're giving him time. Listen, we're not a, a school with any sort of relevant basketball history. Um, so we have to try something different. And I, so I understand what D rad and the athletic department is doing in giving Brownell a chance, letting him take a different approach, getting some transfer in transfers in to kind of kickstart the program while the facilities catch up. And it seems yep. as though they have, um, to really see what they can do. Now, I still maintain that I think Clemson needs to get into the tournament this year for Brownell to keep his job. They restructured his contract. So yep. the buyout's lower. Um, that being said, I can see a situation where maybe he gets in this year and makes a little run, loses some guidance next year. Maybe he doesn't quite make it. They keep him around and you start making another appearance. I think, um, a reasonable expectation for Clemson fans is probably a tournament appearance once every three years. As you mentioned in the intro, a lot of Clemson fans are sort of once bitten, twice shy with Brownell as a coach. And I think that's totally a valid uh, way to look at the team, but we have a team that is performing better than we've seen since 2008 and they're and that was with Purnell's guys right those were Purnell's yeah. guys still um it was Brownell coaching but it was the not people that he had recruited um and so we're seeing guys really fully embrace the program I think this is his first Brownell's first class that he's really had a good freshman class that he feels like right. he can bring into the program he's and, getting had, and can cr- contribute already. Three and four star recruits, which yeah. is, you know, that's nothing to bat an eye at, right? Yeah, it's just, it's a little bit tough to compete with three and four star recruits when you've got the Dukes and the North Carolinas getting four, four or five star guys. Well, every and, year. and that's where you have to be. Um, one of those programs that just relies on building experience over the course of four years. And once every three or four years, you have a really solid experienced basketball team. Yep. You're not going to be, Clemson's not going to be a one and done. 
unless we get Zion Williams. Yeah. I mean, like that that would be the only that'd be the only situation. We're not gonna be a Duke in North Carolina, a Kansas, or a Kentucky. Like we're gonna have to be one of those teams like Wisconsin. Um, or, or somebody like that, Oklahoma, that just builds, you know, a couple key guys over time, and then you just have one year where you go out and make something of it. Now we got to get past the first round of the playoffs, and yeah. the playing game doesn't count as a win in my mind. I mean, if it does, technically, move, it does, technically but moving no, forward, I agree. but it's not also not called a first round game anymore. Yeah, um, they so, did that on purpose, so it seemed like it counts. Yeah, exactly. So um, it, we're, we're not going to count that, and don't you know, NIT runs are fine. Deep it, NIT runs it, are fine. If that's in between tournament appearances. Yeah. But if those are NIT runs in between no appearances or even missing the NIT tournament, that, you know, Clemson does deserve more than that. Yeah. I think a lot of fans are, even if we do well this season, a lot of fans want to see Brownell cut and let go and they want to bring in somebody else. That'd be a poor move. If the team does well this season, if they make the tournament, like that – you gotta you gotta stick to your guns, man. I to agree. be honest with you, unless the, unless this team crashes and burns, you have to stick to your guns. Once you made that decision, now you may not have agreed with that decision, but the fact of the matter is that was the decision. And if that's the path the athletic department has decided to take, they need to at least try to see it play out. Yeah, I think Dred and, and company realized that the facilities at Clemson for basketball were woefully underserved. Uh, right. compared to other ACC schools. So it was hard to compete for recruits. It was hard to get guys the right training and development that they needed. So they're, it seems like they're trying to give him a chance. They've obviously restructured that contract to allow them, if he bombs, right. to cut him loose. But uh, I, I like the fact that they're giving him a chance to really develop a, a strong program. Right, and look no further than the football program to see what and uh, upgraded facilities yeah. can do for, for you. Now – that's not to equate the ceiling of Clemson basketball to the ceiling of Clemson football again, because, of, yeah, because of the tradition. But um, it, it's going to help, especially when you, when, since you do have a school and a university and a fan base, an athletic department um, that does get behind its sports. And when they're doing well I mean, in basketball, especially if we're doing well in that, you're going to see a lot of fan support. Um, so it is possible. Um, so I think we're just going to have to see how all that plays out. Obviously, the season started well so far. A lot of positive things to take. Brownell has his team going in the right direction, but he has to keep it going in the, in the right direction. Um, and we'll just we'll just have to see. Um, so speaking of looking ahead, we talked about South Carolina coming up next. We're playing them tomorrow night. Uh, they are three loss team right now. What what are they ranked, Sam? Do you recall? Uh, they are in Kempon. They're fifty fifth. So that's a pretty solid ranking. It's um, on Ken Pomeroy ranking systems, if you have a 50 or higher win, 50 or better win, that's an A win. And where does Clemson sit right now? Clemson's at 32 right now. Oh, wow. So we are actually doing really well so far. Um, generally, you'd expect the teams in the 30s, 40s, and low 50s to be getting those at-large bids for the ACC tournament. Um, so South Carolina is a, is a fringe tournament team, as are we right now. And if we continue to win and they continue to win, we could both potentially be in it again. But coming into this game, even though it's at home, giving the recent success of South Carolina basketball, would you not expect uh, for them to be favored? It's going to be a very close game, I think. South Carolina lost a bunch of pieces, um, most importantly, P.J. Dozier and uh, Cinderius Thornwell from sure. last year's team. There were two starters. They lost a third starter as well. Uh, so a lot of their identity as a team last year is gone. They're still a very solid team, but they're not anywhere to the level they were last year. They're still going to be a defensive-minded um, Martin-coached team, uh, which is always tough to play against. But 
it's definitely a winnable game for us. Well, and all that being said, this team has a, a it's a very likely possibility that this team enters ACC play with no more than two losses, perhaps even one, if they're able to beat South Carolina and then turn around and beat Louisiana Lafayette at home as well. So yep. exciting start to this season. Um, I know everybody's is still focused on football because, again, the playoff implications and a possible return to the national championship game for a third year in a row. But, you know, it's a lot of fun when when Clemson is having success in multiple sports. I'm a huge college college basketball guy. They have uh, hands down the best postseason tournament out of any sport out there, professional or non-professional. Yeah, I mean, we've we've got a bit of a tradition going the last couple of years where you and I get together and uh, get some wings and watch the games on the, the Friday afternoon games. Yeah, uh, we take for the, for the tournament. We take the first Friday off of the NCAA tournament and go watch. Um, haven't had the opportunity to watch Clemson play. Fortunately, I uh, went to this year. Fortunately, I went to KU for grad school, so I I do have that to hang my hat on. But I would much prefer. Clemson to be good at basketball because um, again it's, it's, it's just more fun yeah it's it's so much more fun when Clemson is good at multiple sports you've seen what they've been able to do in baseball that's excited to see Monty Lee come in there and have this team competing Absolutely. the last couple of years and then the men's soccer team has done yeah, well yeah, over the past few years uh, so it's it's just exciting it's good for this this to see the team do well because Clemson fans do care about basketball when we're doing when we're playing well just the problem is historically we haven't played that well it's been tough to buy in when we yeah. either have a collapse early or late in the season um, so looking ahead to conference play uh, of course the ACC a very tough conference at, at this point Sam where do you think we end up in the final standings compared to where we started um, which I think was uh, preseason ranked 14th out of 15 uh, teams. I think 13 of 15 was the okay. um, Sports Illustrated ranking. Gotcha. My when we talked about it early on in the season, I said I thought we'd be in the eight to ten range. Um, I still feel really good about that. With I think in an eight to ten range finish with this non-conference gets us borderline performance tournament yeah, team. Exactly. So if we finish eight, we will definitely be in the tournament. If we're nine or ten, it'll depend on a lot of other factors. If we could sneak up to six or seven, we'll absolutely be in the tournament. And some good wins will help, yeah. absolutely. So those that Florida win, the Ohio State win, uh, the close Temple loss, sure. these are all potentially tournament teams. We've also played a bunch of potential conference champions from smaller conferences. Uh, we talked about Texas, or you mentioned Texas Southern in a, in a previous episode. They are one of the few winless teams in college basketball at this point in the season, but they will almost certainly be in the running for uh, their tournament championship just because of the way they set up their schedule. Yeah. All non-conference games on the road, traveling all across the country against really good basketball teams. That's just what their coach decided to do. Um, so that's a better win. Three tournaments than it looks in the like. last four years for them. Right. As a, as a program. So, so they're doing something right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, I think no dumb, no bad losses. We haven't seen it so no, far this year. Yet. You know, Louisiana Lafayette is the only one that stands to be a bad loss in non-conference should that happen. But going into the ACC, just keeping this team focused and keeping the momentum going, um, rolling off of what's happened here the last uh, month and a half or so. And just, again, you don't have to, it's okay to lose to the really good teams, but yep. just don't let that get you down. Don't let that get you distracted to where do you lose to some of the bad teams, especially on your home court. Take care of business on the home court. Win some tough games on the road, and I think this team will be sitting pretty, uh, making it into the tournament. I put their ceiling right now as probably about a six or seven seed. I'd put perhaps. That, yeah, I would agree with that for the ceiling. Uh, we've got a really good chance to get off to a strong start, even in conference play, because we play um, three 
three games against North Carolina State and Boston College in our first four conference games. Those are two teams that we would expect to be above at the end of the season in the standings. Uh, and the, the fourth game out of those first four is Louisville, which without Rick Pitino, uh, they're still a very solid team, but there's a chance that we could pull off an upset there as well. No, no Rick Pitino, no hookers. Um, not, not a good outlook for Louisville. Huh? Those boys aren't ready. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you have it. Um, Sam, any other final thoughts and college basketball right now looking around the country we haven't you know in all honesty we haven't taken a deep dive yet just because we have been so focused on football but as we start to transition away um after the first of the year here and of course once we get through recruiting and we're really into the meat of the acc schedule we're really gonna be taking a closer look especially if this basketball team keeps finding success but any other any other thing you want to touch on any other outlook throughout college basketball any storylines that you find of interest right now yeah i think the the fun things for the season so far are the teams that are either playing well below what you'd expect or well above what you'd expect. Uh, the one that's well above what you'd expect is Bobby Hurley's Arizona State team. Uh, Cody will probably be thrilled that his former Dukie, uh, Bobby Hurley, has taken his team, and they're scoring about a million points a game, and they're ranked number three in the country right now, which is their highest ranking ever as a, as a university. Uh, on the other end of that spectrum is Arizona. They started the season ranked three or four, they won a bunch of good games early on, and then they lost three straight uh, in a tournament down in the Bahamas early in the season. They've come back a bit, and they're back into the rankings after some quality wins, but it's uh, it's fun to see those teams try and figure it out early on. Yeah, Kansas lost two games yeah. in a row that they shouldn't have, and they dropped uh, from the you know top five down to out of the top ten in the standings. So. Yep. College basketball is a long season. You see a lot of development um, as the season goes along, especially um, with these upper echelon teams that have such young talent, but talent nonetheless that needs to be developed. So it's a fun sport, and it's it's even made better by the fact that that the end of the football season kind of covers it up, um, the beginning of the basketball season, but you transition right out of that into really good quality conference basketball with teams that have emerged, some that yep. are, have always been a lead, but then some are kind of starting to turn people's heads. So, uh, yeah, it's an interesting time of year to transition in and out of that. So we're going to start paying attention to that a little bit more, especially with this Clemson basketball team playing so well. Um, but, of course, we'll keep bringing you the content with football um, as we look forward to our playoff match with Alabama. So, Again, we got South Carolina tomorrow night. We're hoping for a big win there and then finish off the non-conference schedule with Louisiana Lafayette. That'll head us into ACC play, where we will start diving more uh, again into Clemson basketball. Hoping for the best. We're calling for an NCAA tournament appearance this year. I think anything less uh, would be a disappointment. So with that, thanks for joining us. Go Tigers. Eight, seven seconds. McIntyre working right side. Lops it off to Jamison. Underneath, Buckner jams! Jams, six tenths of a second left. Tigers are on top, 75 to 73. They're going to trap, try to get the little fellow to cough it up. 